Staying home, consuming entertainment, painting your nails is exactly what you should be doing, Jeff. I didn't paint my nails. It's just a... Okay, not this week. It's but, just a but polish. No, it's something you got to do every now and then. Keep them nice. Keep just, them... Just took t- t- the polishing uh, stone to them. Yeah. And a little polish. Nice and shiny. And, and a little polish as well. And no, no. Yeah. They nope, keep didn't, them. <laughs> didn't, didn't put any clear acrylic or anything yeah, on them. Yeah, a little, uh, little enamel on there. Yeah. Nope. Especially the sparkly stuff. Oh, yeah. Glitter can go to hell. <laughs> glitter. <laughs> Jeff, we all know your soul is glitter. You're not fooling anyone. Maybe a glitter bomb. There you go. <laughs> that See, guy, that, 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 guy that does those glitter bombs cracks me up. Oh, the, uh, the guy that has the dummy package? Yeah, the, this is the former NASA engineer. He just did a, a version 2.0. I, I put it in my queue to watch on YouTube, but I haven't watched it yet. No, it's pretty good. And I can't, that was out a while ago, though. Yeah. Well, no, this yeah. is the 2.0, the one yeah. he just did like a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago? He he did a 2.0 like a couple months ago. Uh, go the back and check bombing, it. Because his latest thing is his... Uh, the squirrel. Yeah. Um, yeah, the squirrel uh, obstacle course was amazing. It's terrific. The, the guy is a freaking genius, but, the, the, but I guess you got to be to be an engineer at NASA. The sad thing, though, is I could have saved him a lot of trouble and told him, I'm like, dude, squirrels are ridiculously intelligent at solving problems you think for, he, you think he cares he, he's, no. he's out for good content i mean i grew up around him i mean it's crazy but you know what if you have advice for him i'll yeah. I'll, I'll make sure i get get your number okay to him and sure and that way you can keep him from making his next video <laughs> <laughs> it was amusing though and, and i know he does it does it for entertainment purposes but he, he even states right at the beginning it's like i completely underestimated my my squirrel adversaries <laughs> Smart critters. Yep. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 540. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And we are here to talk Week and Geek. Now, uh, we know there's a lot going on out there. Uh, it's it's goddamn trash fire in this country right now. Uh, but we do want to soldier on and bring you entertainment uh, for the off times when you're not out protesting the man as well you should be. Um, there's some bullshit going on out there, and people are angry about it, and rightfully so. I, I, it's a, it's a simplistic equation, but, but I kind of picture it as a rusty pipe that you ignore and that, and then you, you get mad when all of a sudden your basement's flooded and it's getting damaged. If you ignore the rusty pipe, it's going to eventually corrode through and damage your shit. So stop ignoring the problems. There's some real bad police brutality bullshit out there. And it's nasty. Even this, even beyond the inciting thing, not even just this one, but going way back to Rodney King, even going way forward to what's happening right now, I'm seeing police arresting people for sitting down and yelling that they love them and that they consider them family. Basically arresting them for shouting too loud, which is goddamn bullshit. I, I, I realize there's anger out there for the property damage and there's some bad actors out there doing it and i don't agree with the looting aspect of it but you know what but (laughs) riots are going to happen if you don't 
change the underlying problem. And the problem just gets ignored over time and has continued to be. Now, there was some movement that were being made, but of course that all got quashed. So this is what you get. I'm sorry, your cities are on fire. But don't ignore police brutality and police killing people outright. That's really all I have to say about that, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, it's funny. It's uh, you want the problem solved. Don't don't loot and riot. And it's like you don't want looting and rioting. Uh, don't let cops kill. Get rid of this culture of it's understandable when cops kill uh, an innocent person. Yeah. You know, and it well unarmed. Well, you know, he should have done everything the cops told him to. Well, you know, that that isn't. That it, isn't the solution most of the time. Yeah, and it, most it, of the time it, they it, do completely it's, cooperate. It's and been show still. that yeah that people you know have have complied and been killed anyway. Yeah, and and yeah, I, I hear the uh, adage thrown out there: it's just one bad apple. Don't forget the whole goddamn line: it's a bad apple that spoils the bunch. Well, that and somebody pointed out very well that if some looters and rioters can spoil a whole street protest movement then what do you think a few bad cops spoil? Good point. Good point. It's a very good point. It just... So, yeah, so yeah this, this whole thing is angry, and you should be angry. I should be angry. Everybody should be angry to seeing this. It's goddamn authoritarian bullshit that's happening out there. And I know this is not why you tune into Geek Shock, so that's why I'm getting it out right here at the beginning, and we'll continue on with the rest of the show. But there's a reason for this. And it's because of reasons that haven't been addressed over decades at this point, which stems back even further than that when yeah. you go across the whole line of, of justice on this. More than a century. Yeah. But it's shit that's gotten ignored, and it needs to stop. And if you don't stop ignoring it, the fires get higher. Simple as that. So, gentlemen, what well, geeky things you do this week? I was just going to say, all I want to say in that regard is oh, sure. be a part of the solution. Don't be part of the problem. Yes, exactly. That's that's the only thing I have to say in that regard. That's, that's the simplest thing I can say. I am not for the destruction of property. No, I, am all, of I am all for peaceful protest. But what I'm not against is arresting people and shooting tear gas at them for peacefully protesting. And uh, oh, you are the against. only thing that... No, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, strike that. Reverse it. Yeah, uh, yeah. 80s Jeff PR firm. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that I thought really crossed the line that really got it. I mean, the, the whole thing was already under my skin, but when they started shooting people in their homes, started with rubber bullets, started shooting and arresting the press for doing their job. Authoritarian bullshit. Yeah, that's... Which is illegal because we're not under martial law. The press are allowed to film, or record. And encouraged they, by a goddamn yes. coward of a dickless president. Mm-hmm. And, but, and uh, civilians that weren't anywhere near the protests were getting shot. Yes. And losing the use of limbs. Kids uh, getting pepper sprayed in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, pulling down of masks and pepper straight in the face while they weren't doing anything, while, I while might they, add. Yeah, there's a picture of one guy with his hands up just standing there, and he's getting pepper sprayed in the face because he's cooperating with yeah. all verbal commands. He did what sprayed. they told him to do, and now, then they pepper sprayed him anyway. Now, if you're destroying property, you should get arrested. I am not saying against that. That 
you're breaking the law. Shouldn't do that. I understand why you're doing it. I understand the anger. But there are better, more constructive ways of doing it. And there are people out there who are out there just to do some bullshit. And fuck them. But peaceful protest has been the core of a lot of this. And they don't like it. And they're cracking down on it. As authoritarian. And as bullshit. So be angry. Speak out. Or you can just relax with us and now we'll go down with Geek Shark. Yeah. Yes. Geeky things. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Jeff, you got a lot of things apparently. Yes. So, um, so let's see. Where's my stuff here? Come on. Uh oh. Um, Jeez. You, you'd yeah. think you'd have your notes pulled up. Yeah, really. We've, we've gone well, on for eight minutes, Jeff. I got <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> So I started watching Space Force on Netflix this week. Space Force, how is it? It's I'm only five. I'm only halfway yet. There's only ten episodes. They're they're about 35, 40 minutes long a piece. Um, there's only ten. I'm five episodes in. I'm kind of digging it. I mean, it's a lot of people are comparing it to The Office, and it's not getting great reviews from. Is it just getting the comparison to Office because I think, but see, yeah, Corel. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's just that. It's in that style, but it's not in that documentarian That's style. That's what I mean. I think it's just because he's in it. I, I think it's that that style of humor, though, which is what's not hitting with some of these reviewers. That um, kind of cringe, embarrassment the critics, humor? Yeah, the, the critics are, are I think, unfairly um, comparing it to The Office because it doesn't strike me as being similar to The Office. But it was brought up in one of the critical reviews that The Office, when it first launched, was panned almost across the board and right, it was. had ended up being one of the better comedies of all time. And I'm one of those few that never really got into the office. I, I watched it several times and just couldn't get into it. And I know a lot of people just, they're like, what, how could you not like that? I, was, I just like, it just didn't speak to me. I didn't, I didn't find any reason. I liked the British version of the office. That's even, but more, then I got, that's even more cringy. Yeah, because you got that really, really dry British humor, first of all. And then Ricky Gervais is pretty cringeworthy as he is. I love the guy, <laughs> but he does some pretty nasty, awful things in that show. Yeah, And, he, and he's, he, he's a very unlikable character, yeah. whereas Steve Carell's character eventually became likable. So, Which is where I think that show jumped the chart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also watched, just premiered on Amazon Prime Video. Oh. No, it's a it's a movie that was in the convention circuit last year that, that um, Amazon actually bought. It's called The Vast of Night. The Vast of Night. Yes. Mm. If you get a chance, I highly recommend checking it out. It's a very, I don't want to say simple film, but it's, it's filmed kind of simply. There's not a lot of sets. It's set in the 50s. There's only a few characters that you have to really deal with, but the premise is interesting. It's something weird is going on in this town in the 50s. Eventually, you do find out it is aliens, but whether it's, you know, benevolent or malevolent aliens, you have to kind of judge yourself. I don't want to say too much more. Because I don't want to give no, away no, the I story. No, no, I think that's, that's enough to wet the whistle. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued. You mean like, are they here to 
be our landscapers yeah. and pick yeah. our fruit or are they what are they what are they, what are they where are they you oh, know okay. why are they here kind oh. of thing oh okay oh. all right and you I know just turn on fox news either. they kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. they kind of uh delve into some of the uh past alien cover-ups with a guy who works at a radio station has a caller that calls in anyway I, like i said i hesitate to say too much more because i actually want people to check it out and oh. see if they like the it. vast of night is, is yeah. that part of prime or did you have to rent yeah, it it's if you're a prime member it's free or I should say it's included with Prime is how they put it. Other things that I haven't watched yet, but I am definitely recommending based on other people's recommendations. <laughs> okay. Uh, there is a new documentary that just hit Prime and is also included with Prime that I've been waiting for for a long time. Uh, it's called uh, Life After Flash, oh. which is the Flash Gordon documentary. How fun. And basically following the cast and the crew that worked on that film and what happened to them post release of the movie in the oh. theaters life after flash life after flash you know i'm gonna even though we're not uh really talking about because we don't know it yet we haven't seen it i gotta put it in the show notes just to remind myself it exists there you go and the other documentary that i wanted to make sure that I, that people get a chance to check out I've, I've got to watch a little bit i haven't finished it yet but so far i'm really digging it it's called never surrender a galaxy quest documentary oh wow so those all the, all the ones that I just mentioned were all on Prime Video, and they're included with Prime. So if you have a subscription, you can already watch them. Right. Jeff, they're already there. Your job this week is to watch those and report back. Uh, I definitely plan on watching Life After Flash and finishing uh, the Never Surrender uh, within the next day or two. Also this weekend, Josh Gad had two, well, I should say since oh. last since last Monday, he has had two Reunited Aparts. The first one, which happened, I want to say, a day or two after we recorded last week, uh, was with the cast of Splash, which was a lot of fun. I've uh, still never seen actually that Actually got Tom... What? Why do, actually, you know what? That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But the one that really got me... Todd? ...was the one that he did, that he did uh, on either. Sunday. <laughs> See? See? It's not just me. We, we, are, we are two-thirds Splashless. Sad. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's a 40-year-old film. Anyway. uh, But the one that he did on Sunday, which actually ended up being an extended one, I was kind of surprised. It was 55 minutes long. He reunited the cast of The Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson. Ah, I've seen that one. And oh my fucking God, that was the one that seemed like it was the least edited down of the ones he's done so far. If you have not watched it yet, please go watch it. It was fucking amazing. Okay, because um, I, I saw that on, on the suggestions. And yes. I'm like, uh, I think Goonies is the only one I was really all that interested in. But uh, if so, highly recommend it. I'll check yeah, that one check out. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, all the cast, they still mostly stay in touch. And uh, they they were all talking about how they really missed the days when they were filming and so forth. So I think that covers most of That's pretty my- solid. I mean, I did, actually, you know, I take it back. There were a couple yeah. movies I watched on Netflix, too. <laughs> there, there's a lot of I'm going to. In yeah, there, there is. There's a lot of Andy in that. Yeah, there, well, there's Andy has the moments that didn't happen, and Jeff apparently has moments that haven't happened yet. Yes. Like, and it's it's funny, well, that too. that was only two that, that, yeah. that I haven't done and, yet. And I like the... I like and one the, I was only halfway That there. I haven't seen yet. It's sort of like we've got the secret group. Todd hasn't seen this yet, <laughs> where we talk about movies without Todd because he hasn't seen them yet. But now we can have the, the, the secret group, movies Jeff hasn't seen yet, 
where Jeff is administrator <laughs> because because he's going to talk about the movies he hasn't seen yet. So God. <laughs> the group is Jeff hasn't seen it yet in parentheses, but he will this week. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I talked last week about Lockout, which is the the guy, yes. that guy Pierce movie, the prison one. That those the prison prison yeah. in space. Uh, Escape from L.A. in space oh, oh, okay. <laughs> is what I'm, I've been calling it with anyway. less surfing. Yes, yes. God. Although <gasps> surfing, Silver Surfer. <gasps> and then I also talked about Revolt, which was um, another movie I suggested. Is that a sequel Netflix. to Volt, the no, dog it's movie? Just, it's oh. Just called Revolt. Oh, oh is, is that that uh, CGI animated computer thing from the 90s? Oh, that's no. Reboot. Oh, Reboot. Yerf. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also watched a, a movie called Beyond Skyline, which is a uh, sequel to is the movie chili? Skyline. No. Mm. You and your Cincinnati chili. It's I so swear good. good. <laughs> Cincinnati chili is the best. It looks like diarrhea, but it's so tasty. So well, that's good chili. See? Yeah. It's the most cinnamony chili chili you will ever eat. There's mm. cinnamon, there's cumin, there's all sorts quit, of good things quit happening. Quit selling me on it, uh, Jeff. Bit of all spice. L- little mustard, it's great. There you go. I can't, I can't eat it plain like Todd does. Pick but, the uh, corn out of that little, shit. Just a little bit of mustard with it, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. It's what's, what's so terrifying about the texture of it is that it, it is just... <laughs> It's not a thick chili. It's runny. It's thin. Oh. And yeah. I like thick chili. Th- there, there, there's no chunks in this chili oh. whatsoever. I like chili you can eat with a fork. <laughs> now, this you one go. you cannot eat oh. with a no. fork. No, damn it. You can barely eat it with a spoon. That's why that's, <laughs> that's why you have to put it over like spaghetti. Oh. To to do it the proper so way. So it's sauce. Pretty much. It's yeah, I, 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 I still can't remember that. the first time he introduced me to it. He went through this whole list. It was like freaking Bubba from Forrest Gump explaining all the things you could do with shrimp. This was Todd explaining all the things you could do with Cincinnati chili. It's so good. And, and so all the many- different <laughs> names of all the dishes that you make with it. Because like everything had its own specific name. Like a hot dog with chili on top was not a hot dog with, with Cincinnati chili. It was a... I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You have it's, really strayed from the it, path, It's been you, a while. <laughs> There's really only two companies I even remember anymore, Skyline and Star. Those are the two. Skyline's the only one I knew of. And Skyline is my favorite of the group. That's uh, we, the most popular of them from what I understand. There's only one place in town that I know you can get Cincinnati chili, and that is at a breakfast place called the Egg and I. There's a bunch mm. of them around town. Yes. Right. But they have Cincinnati-style chili, and they do a really good job with it. Ooh. So I is it over eggs? Uh, no, you grossy. Uh, one of the op- <laughs> I'm gross, Kirsten. One of the offerings is over eggs. Well, thank you, Todd. Jeff. Todd just ignores it because it's got egg. <laughs> because it's grossy. <laughs> it's grossy. It is grossy. He just does not like eggs. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you and my dad. I swear to God. Mm. See, in good company, Jeff. Eggs. In good company. <laughs> It's to be debated. Uh, another movie I watched called Rim of the World. Wait, wait. You didn't tell me about the Skyline Chili movie yet. I, I, I did, but you <laughs> glossed over it. Uh, Beyond Skyline is a sequel to the movie Skyline from the early 2000s. Where the, is that Alien Invasion on LA movie? That one? Yeah, where the they these lights hypnotize people and suck them into the spaceship. This is kind of this is a sequel to that. They made a sequel to that? Yeah. Not that Skyline well, was 
bad. You need Except to answer all one. the questions of what the inside of the ship looks like. Yeah, well, that's what this is. This, <laughs> this whole thing is... I got to stop joking. My jokes are having a way of this becoming is the, reality. This is the, quote, humans fighting back against the aliens. All right. But, uh, like during the probes? Oh, no more! <laughs> I mean, that, that first one was not a... Uh, no, expensive a, movie to make. It was no. low budget. Yeah, low budget. This one really uh, looks like it had a little bit bigger budget. At oh, least wow. it had a lot more uh, CG, but not like terrible CG, okay. which a lot of times you get in a B movie. Sure, sure. I'm so, really surprised though. I'm, I'm yeah, I was too. That's why. That's why I watched it because I was like, "Wow, they made a sequel to that." In fact, I'd have to go back and watch Skyline, right, in order to see the sequel because I can't remember dick about that movie, right, dick. Uh. Rim of the World is Whoa. a Whoa. hello. <laughs> I don't want to know about your Pornhub oh, searches, Jeff. I don't know. Tell me more. Uh, it's a movie about... If, if you're sensing a theme here, there's a reason oh, why. Oh, I sense I, a theme. <laughs> I sense a theme. This is another alien invasion movie. Uncom- un- uncomfortable yet comforting at the same time. <laughs> but it's it's a... It's a youth-centric teen... Uh, youth-centric? Yikes! Okay. I'm in for parts two, three, and four. FBI, <laughs> I, I had nothing to do with this conversation. Uh, you guys are. You guys need to get your mind out of are there, are there. Are there raccoons in it? <laughs> yes, I think so. All right. Uh, the movie is a about an alien invasion that takes place while these kids are at summer camp. Goonies, they're Goonies they're away aliens? they're away from the yeah kind of like Goonies with aliens. I'm in. Uh, they're away from the invasion and find out about it late because they're away from civilization. And you gotta take away uh, the cell phone in <clears throat> modern horror right, yeah. and sci-fi. You gotta take away the cell phone. And they or, did because there was like an EMP and it knocked out all the electronics, yeah. so they had no way of communicating with well, their put parents. Put them in a chip bag. Yeah, that, so that forth. takes away so. all the. The fear you can build up if you can just call somebody. Now, I, I hesitate to mention this aspect of it because what? Why? It, it didn't actually ruin the movie for me. And I, I, <laughs> I, 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 found, out, I found out, <laughs> I found out this fact after I watched the movie. Uh-oh. It was directed by McGee. Oh, wait, wait, and wait, didn't wait, and wait. didn't ruin it. Wait, yeah, that's that's where I'm kind of stopping here. It was it was a, f- a fun, not too serious, or uh, not like overtly serious enjoyable movie about an alien invasion and these kids trying to get this item to a scientist in LA. It's, it's, it's not a MacGuffin, right? The rim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, the thing that sets them on their quest. Right. The rim. So yeah, exactly. One, one to rule them all. Uh, But no, and and I was kind of surprised. One rim to rule them all. (laughs) Yeah, she sure did. But uh, no, I, 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 I was so surprised when I, I got, I was about halfway through the film and I went to check on, because there was a, an actor that popped up and I couldn't think who he was or where I'd seen him before. So I went on IMDb. A good will do that. Yeah. And while I'm, while I'm on there, I scroll down and I see directed by Mick G and I'm like, what? Oh my. So I, yeah, I was about half, three quarters of the way through the movie, but uh, it didn't actually ruin it for me. Now... Now, granted, there, you'll have some moments where like that couldn't actually happen. That's just normal with with most movies. But yeah, it was a fun little fun little movie. Not overtly, what's the word I'm like? It's not like a gross, terrible, you know, like destruction of humans, etc. Where they're you know, it, it, you know, like a lot of times in alien invasion movies, you have really um, ex- gore- gory, explicit gore. Mm. That's what I was trying to get at. It's not very gory. Gory. So. 
Anyway, it, it, this it's, is the it's, nice, on, it's ni- on Netflix. It's worth checking out. The nicest thing I've ever heard you say about McGee. I know. I, I was, like I said, I was surprised. Quarantine's getting to him. <laughs> and what's it called? The Deep Rimming? Uh, rim of the World. <laughs> rim of the World is the name the of the... Rim of the World is the name, name of the camp. That's what why I wouldn't pay for. It's the name of the camp. I want to go to that camp. I will go to that camp. I'll be a counselor. I know. Terrible name, but, you but not You and a Jeff t- were space camp buddies, but you and me are going to be... No, nah, I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> 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 That's not coming out the way I want it to. Kay so. and I are going around the world. <laughs> <laughs> All around the world. Rock and roll is here to stay. <laughs> anyway, so that's yeah. that's I believe most of what oh, you'll remember I something. Consumed. I, 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 I no might remember for, something for more notes. I, I that's know. all the note space I, I have. What was your rim of the world? Contact us. At- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there were some YouTube videos and stuff that I watched, but uh, oh, yeah. this we is, all have those. Yeah, that's the majority of what you know. I recall that anyway. I that I wanted to talk about. I slept through the first half of. Uh, Jake's H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Jeffrey Combs. Oh, that was fest. that was fun. I was sound asleep during a nap, and when the thing started, my good friends Andy and Jeff just peppered me with texts, and I didn't wake up. No, that's wait, not. which Jeff? I didn't text you. No, that's right, you didn't. No. Yeah, nobody texted me to wake <laughs> me up. That's why I slept through it. Okay. Well, I I jumped on late, so you know. Yeah. I, I only got to watch uh, from Beyond. I did, and, yeah, and, and, I did and, too. And, and half of Reanimator. I, I only, but I, I, I didn't even get half of Reanimator. I got none of it. And, I, then, and and Andy's like, "Where you been?" Well, asleep. You know, there's a device you could use to like communicate with people and find out stuff. Yes, unless you're at Rimming Camp. Yeah, I thought you were on though when I was watching. Yeah, I came on right towards the very end of Reanimator. Oh, I was okay. really confused because I'm like, boy, this looks like a climax. This doesn't look like the beginning. <laughs> and then you know, it's like, and now from beyond. And I'm like, oh shit. I, I was when I was young, I was freaked out for ages from Reanimator. Right, uh, mostly because at the time, it was known amongst my friends as the grossest movie they'd ever seen. Yeah, and. Even though I liked horror when I was little, I th- I thought that was going to really mess me up because I would see pictures of it in Fangoria. I'm like, I don't think I'm ready for this. Uh-huh. And when I ended up seeing it, I was like, oh, that's pretty gross, but not as gross as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I what? haven't seen it yet, and and for a while there, it was for that reason because it's in Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. Everybody's screaming about it, and to me, for the wrong reasons. But now, you know, Jeffrey Combs, I think, is a right reason. So. I was looking forward to watching that on Jake's birthday thing. So sorry I missed it, Jake. Happy birthday anyway. Yeah, happy birthday, Jake. I will say what grossed me out as a kid with Reanimator and what grosses me out as an adult are two completely different <laughs> things. And I think you know what I'm getting at here. <laughs> I do. The, 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 the whole thing with the, the professor, the, the girlfriend whose name escapes me right now. I, uh-huh. Just like as an adult, I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Awful, wrong, bad. <laughs> but when I was a kid, it was the guy getting pulled by intestines. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> it's a gross movie. So, yeah. from beyond is uh, that's some <laughs> more that's, Lovecraft than the that, other one. That yeah. one's more cringeworthy for a variety of well, reasons. It, it's, yeah, it's not funny. not not the what I'm referencing from from 
reanimator more just like everything about that movie is just wrong yeah <laughs> like everything that ca- happens you're just like oh that's wrong that can't possibly get oh and it just got worse i do well love at least it's the bar movie. is set so low that we can only go up from here I, and i stand corrected <laughs> God, gotta love some Stuart gordon right <clears throat> yeah really and Charlie Band had the hand in that too, right? Yes, yes, he did. Is it writer, producer? I can't remember I think it was which. Producer. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I meant to watch the credits closer when uh, Charlie Band being the producer that created Full Moon yep. Enterprises. Full Moon. Straight to VHS. Sorry, B- Charles Band. I think he was credited as <laughs> B Movie Schlock, the creator of Puppet Master, basically. Puppet Master. And a whole bunch of other B movies you probably watched as a kid if you're our age and just forgot about. <laughs> I want to thank all the shock monkeys and otherwise that have uh, joined me on my Minecraft shenanigans on YouTube. I, I'm really kind of enjoying this little YouTube channel extravaganza. That's cool. Yeah. It, it's glorious. And what's weird me out is that I'm getting like non-shock monkeys now. Like people that are doing uh, Minecraft oh. searches on YouTube. <laughs> I'm like, why, why are you here? I'm, oh, I mean, no. you're welcome, but... How do you know any of the underlying Baryon Torgo drama? That, Goodness that gracious. This? I know the love that transcends boundaries. It's true. And so much so that I don't know if you know, but I'm getting like lovely lady locks in my COVID housebound hair. Oh, I noticed that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's a mullet now, but it's, oh, it's going boy. further. Hey, that's okay. This I, this keeps going. No, I, there's no party in the front. Or, I, or I, party in the, <laughs> there's, there's no business in the front. There's just a party in the back. Sorry. <laughs> I am cultivating the... Uh, John Taylor haircut from the <laughs> Wild Boys video from Duran Duran. That's what <laughs> I'm <laughs> aiming <laughs> on. <right now. laughs> yeah. yeah. The basis in Duran Duran had uh, the absolute best 80s hair, and that's what I'm getting close to. He really did. <laughs> I loved his hair. I, I think what fascinates me the most about 80s Duran Duran videos is how often Simon LeBond's hair changes from video to oh, video. I mean, yes. like every video, it's a completely different hairstyle. He's a Wild Boy. He is, yeah. But uh, but yeah, John has probably the the finest quaff of them all, and the wild oh. boys that always shine. Yeah, that shines pomade. Oh, okay. oh wow! I do want to real quickly give a shout out to SpaceX and. The okay, we were going to cover that dragon. later, but, oh. but go right ahead. No, yeah. you're, this no, this is your moment. You take it. That was pretty awesome. I got to watch the the launch on Saturday, and then. Uh, I watched the docking later on on video as opposed to staying up because I sit there and I'm like, it's not going to happen until 7.15 in the morning. Our time. This guy. Can't do it. Docking and rimming. He's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. you guys that are making it dirty. <laughs> He's a <laughs> quarantine man. I'm merely stating <laughs> facts and you're taking it. Biggs, you come out here, you're going to want to stay here. <laughs> you're going to want to stay here. I've, but, uh, I'm sure you'll cover it in more detail, but I, like I said, I just wanted to... Actually, I got just a little bit of it because because almost in my notes is like, here's just a little bit of space, turn it over to Jeff, and There go. you go. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I like the space suits. Space uh, suits were custom tailored. They were pretty awesome. But I'm going back to Minecraft. So oh, I have go two... On, go back. I have two videos still to edit that I've got going Oh, really? oh nice. Uh, so I just watched your last one yesterday. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. I, I, I knocked that video out because I was actually working on something else. And when I went underwater and I found this goddamn temple he built near my base. His and, and, temple and, of doom? Yeah, and his brilliant little chest contraption that releases the monsters. Yeah. Uh, goddamn impressive, Barry. I got to say. No wonder you were so upset I hadn't found it yet. <laughs> Dungeon <laughs> that Master. Must, that, you must have been boiling just because going, why? I put so much work into this. Nothing, there you go. Nothing. Too bad he said there's nothing else because it'd be great if you found something else <laughs> and then just didn't mention it. 
<laughs> that would be cruel. I, I love how he says that's the only thing of all the things that he's done that he used his his admin powers to uh, create. I remember him when I first joined and he was flying around as his little god self. Uh, that's when he drew the little butts thing out in my my ocean. Mm. Uh, that's that's had to have been when he did it. But uh, but yeah. So now, uh, if you haven't seen the video, I have some god powers because I earned them. But you have to see the video for it. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people on the server now. Oh dear. That I think the most I've seen down there at once is like seven or eight. My goodness. Which is kind of a lot at one time on a minecraft server yeah and there's more than that that are playing i think there's probably about 10 to 14 wow uh total names that i've seen so those that are playing uh welcome glad to have you all skill levels people that know minecraft and people that have never played before i uh i told uh barry about professor biggs uh problem <laughs> you said you weren't going to. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck it." Do you want to share it with the monkeys then? What the what the issue is? We we zoomed just before last week's podcast. Just before uh, was uh, Professor Biggs and Andy with Jeff and I. Todd came in towards uh, the end there, and just before we sign off to get ready to start casting, because Todd comments that you know, "Hey, Steve, seen you on the Minecraft." And he goes, "Oh yeah," and he's like, "Todd, I do have one question though." How do you move in Minecraft? <laughs> <laughs> Professor Biggs uh, has never heard of WASD for you PC oh gamers out God. there. Allow me to do a Rainier Wolf Castle reenactment. <laughs> the arrow keys, they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> arrow keys are not, they're not, there's nothing. I don't, why don't they work? Oh God, that was just crazy. He's like, I can, I can, and he starts doing a chopping motion with his hand. <laughs> I can do that. And that's when I have to explain to him, you know, if you really want the arrow keys to work, you can change your settings under something called settings. <laughs> Somewhere Biggs is like, don't you guys. <laughs> oh, God. I so I look forward to Biggs joining us. Uh, I, I will say I, I appreciate those that have gone and played some solo survival and so on to get a hang of, of the game before jumping in. Solo survival. Because mine, Minecraft looks simple. But it's very deceiving. It is a very deep and, frankly, education-intensive game. You have to learn a lot of concepts of how the game works that the game does not teach you, that you're either going to find out on your own by accident or you're going to go out and search for the answer. And I recommend the latter than just finding out on your own because it will, one, make your gameplay much more fun for you uh, and, two, uh, fun for everybody else. But there's mm -hmm. lots of stuff going on there. I uh, one of the videos that are coming up. I, I built the park for Hobbiton last ah, night. I built the park. I okay. built. It took me three hours last night. Oh dear! Unfortunately, I couldn't film the building of it. I did. This is the space I'm using. Then I showed it afterwards because my wife was sleeping, so I couldn't do like commentary while I'm building. So I, I'm I'm a smart husband. <laughs> Got to move your computer into the arts and crafts room. Uh, even so, <laughs> I can't be. I, I talk on YouTube like I talk here. Oh, in in you know my theater voice. Oh, well, there's your problem. So there's there's <laughs> other rumor or not. It's it's going to wake up my wife. Yeah. So that's that's why I have to do my videos when when it kind of works for both of us. That's a, wow. But yeah, so that video is coming up and a little tour of Hobbiton. And yeah, it's 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 been fun playing with you monkeys on there. It's been it's been great. I've Dave Raider came by and did a prank on my base. 
I'm glad he's feeling oh, nice. better too, by the way. Yeah. Yay, Dave Raider. So, so I'm glad you're feeling better, Dave Raider. Better use of your time, though. There's better use of <laughs> the time out there than putting chickens in my base. Aw, chickens. I, um, my. Nobody calls me chicken. <laughs> I've been getting uh, my my schedule is filling up with role playing games. It's kind of funny. Oh wow! Because Tuesday, Are you running I'm, them or just participating? Just participating. Oh, okay. Uh, I played in uh, a Call of Cthulhu game with uh, with some friends from Chicago. Fantastic. Um, and we just started that, and that'll be it's Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition, and uh, we'll I think he's planning on a f- five or six sessions or something. Let's see. Thursday, I slept through uh, Jake's thing, and then uh, <laughs> Friday. Friday was fun because we did our session zero of Matt Spaulding's uh, Monster of the Week game. You're playing that. Yes, fantastic. We're, we're playing that, and it was really funny. Because <laughs> is he is he running it? Yes, he's okay. running it. First time he's ever run a, a, a an RPG. So it's a uh, Matt from Two Broke Geeks. Yes. Yes, Vermont Matt, who sounds more Canadian than Maple Leaf. <laughs> um, but uh, Monster of the Week is a, it's a nice little. Uh, I think it's a nice little elegant system. Uh, the the it's a Buffy supernatural Dresden Files X Files type of approach oh, okay. uh, game. So modern monster hunters. One of the nice mechanics of it is during character creation. You do this uh, history thing where every character has what's called a playbook. And it's basically two pages of, of moves, which are essentially actions the characters can do, and um, as well as their gear and uh, special stuff like that. And then you're kind of like an archonic, iconic type. I'm, uh, I chose Spell Slinger, so I'm the guy who actually casts spells in the game. Andy Can he only do it while he's sexually aroused? Uh, no. Damn it. Yeah. No. No. No rim of the world here. That would be one of those good, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the traits that are negative that get you better positive traits? Oh, wait, that's a GURPS thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No no GURPS things like that. So, and he's the expert. Expert ah. is, uh, is a guy who has a workshop. He has all sorts of things that he can make, stuff that he can uh, pull out of a hat. At the last minute, like, oh, wait, I know what we need, and, you know, stuff like that. Oh, expert. X being an unknown quantity, spurt being a drip under pressure. Uh, gotcha. Sure. You know, that's Andy. Pushing down on you. Yeah. Andy's Pushing a, down on me. a drip under pressure. Um, and uh, Jeff Harris is the monstrous. The he's, monstrous. Yeah, he's basically a, a, a monster who's trying to go good. I love it. Professor Biggs is uh, the snoop. And he's playing his celebrated Call of Cthulhu character. He transported it to this uh, this game. Carl McGavin, who is basically <laughs> Cole Shack. Yes. <laughs> so one of the neat one of the neat uh, character building things in this is that instead of getting that you start in a tavern, you know, loop, each playbook has a list of questions, and what you do is you introduce your character basics, and then you go around the ring again. And you, you ask one question from this list of questions of the, the player character in the group. And this helps establish history. And so to give you an example, 
I went around and uh, one of my questions was, or one, it was actually a statement. You two are comrades of arms. You've, you've fought the toughest battles together already. And I'm like, oh, well, that's me and Jeff Harris's character. You know, his character and I are sort of, uh, we, we've already fought some supernatural stuff in this little quiet Vermont town that uh, Matt has created. And then Andy was like, you did a magical rescue. I chose, you did a magical rescue of, uh, of this character that kind of sort of brought him into the world of the supernatural. And then it said, tell him, tell the character what you rescued them from. And I was like, so Andy, I think I rescued you from this half-demon character which was looking to kill you. And Jeff's character is half-demon. So basically we've already established the history that I saved Andy from Jeff's character at one point. Wow. And then I and turned... He, and Jeff's character turned over a new leaf. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. And then I turned to Steve and I'm like, Steve, I have to do this one. We're blood relations. You're my crazy Uncle Carl. <laughs> and Steve started laughing. So then we went around the circle and it was really funny because this was supposed to be the first session and we were going to start investigating a mystery. You know, campaign arcs, story arcs are called mysteries in this game. But then Steve went around the circle and he developed relationship stuff and, and asked questions of people and Andy did it and then Jeff did it. And what we ended up doing was throwing out so much stuff. We, we almost gave uh, Matt a whole new campaign. So he was like, you know what, guys, we can start. I was ready to start tonight, but you've given me so much stuff. I can fold this stuff into what I'm already planning on doing, uh, make a few tweaks here and there. And we were like, yeah, go ahead and do that. So... We ended up, we just spent about 45 minutes creating characters and talking about it. And then we, we basically chatted for another hour or so. And we'll start the actual game next week when, uh, when we actually start our first investigation. And Matt already gave us a hook to go investigate. So, but that. I love how <clears throat> that makes the group cohesive from the beginning. Yes, yes. And it's really funny because. Uh, in, in, in the, the, the game engine, which is called the Apocalypse Engine, the, these games are, are called Powered by the Apocalypse. The game Apocalypse World is one of the interesting things about it is it's very much an intensive don't plan the events of the campaign early, but it is very intensive lay the groundwork early and then just grow out of that and that mechanic that history of the characters mechanic is one of the things that does that and it's actually pretty pretty cool so and it, it was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun just creating our characters and establishing our relationships with each other it's probably the best role-playing component i've seen in a game since that jenga tower game yeah <laughs> dread the, dread that came out a while ago. uh-huh yeah yeah it's the it, first time been impressed since dread it, 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 is, it is cool. It is fun. One other thing I'll throw in there is that uh, one of Jeff's things, Jeff was sort of like, I, I don't know. I, Steve, I, I think I'm going to have to go with, I kind of have a crush on your character. And we all start laughing, especially since Steve holds up a picture of Shack And he's like, this is basically what I look like. <laughs> and he talks like, you know, he, oh, he, does, oh his, he does his, he does, oh my God. 
So, but Jeff had described he, you well, get half demon might find that yeah sexy. And he was talking about his character's kind of androgynous looking, kind of wears a suit that's a little too big for him. So all of a sudden, I'm getting these visions. Uh, and he says he has big, nasty, sharp teeth because he had. Well, that's one of his things. He has a bite attack, and so now I'm imagining wee beady eyes. You know, Tilda Swinton with these massive canine <laughs> nasty teeth, yeah. just pining after Steve's Shack character, and I just, just utterly enjoyed it. I love it. So it it it'll be it it. It sounds like it's going to be a fun game. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Then we moved on. I moved on to uh, the Saturday Scoop D&D game. And that was actually funny because we did some character expansion on that. We have a half-orc paladin okay. played by uh, Aussie Matt Ward, who actually joins us clear across the world Brilliant. for this game. And uh, he's like, his character's name is Killdozer. Killdozer <laughs> is a paladin, is a half-orc paladin. Now, at one point, Killdozer loots a dwarf's tomb and picks up this really nice mace. It turns out the mace is cursed. So in our conversation, you know, this is in the past couple of weeks, has been sort of like, uh, you know, it, it, the cursed mace, and Killdozer's like, Killdozer is cursed again. And we start talking about Killdozer being cursed. And then I think it was last week, the week before. I forget which one it was. But me, I was just talking shit and joking around. Because he was like, Killdozer knows curses. Killdozer is cursed already. And I was like, and we're all like, what was the curse, Killdozer? What's going on? And as a joke, I my my character, Sathic, the half-elf warlock, jokingly went, oh! <gasps> Your curse is to be a paladin, isn't it? And there's a moment of silence, and then Matt goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, what? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> so his, his, his half-orc has been cursed to be a paladin and to go around the world fighting evil. Fighting evil, lawful good style. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> so we had a huge development of that this weekend where Killdozer, where we're finding out exactly how Killdozer got the curse and, and what's going on. And we're, we're working, it's like, well, Killdozer, if we break this curse, are, are you gonna like go crazy and wanna kill us? And you know, everybody's talking about that. And it was really, really funny, it, it spun out. My Warlock has been getting a lot of temptation stuff. So I actually spent a lot of the last episode myself going, ah! <laughs> As I'm just running around being warlocky, so that was fun too. <laughs> but the 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 going in deep on Killdozer's thing was hilarious. But I just I thought it was hilarious. Just the whole you're cursed to be a paladin. That's new. I like yes. it. Yes, I like it a lot. Yeah. So so we've had a bunch of bunch of fun things like that going on. So Perfect. that that's actually social. Been cool. Yeah. Demented and sad, but social. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's been um it's been interesting. I'm uh I'm zooming. Zooming with people. My laptop can't handle Discord's new video oh. function because Discord apparently has folded in a new video. Really? And we were going to try to use that for the Call of Cthulhu game, but I was just not working up to up to snuff. 
So we went ahead and zoomed that, and my, my laptop seems to handle that a lot better. Hmm. But um, it's, been, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I may have watched some things, but gosh dang it, I never remember anything anymore. So, you know, but that and I'm just trying to save the world one meme at a time. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So. Uh, I played some Doom Eternal, the new Bethesda Doom Ooh. game. And uh, I, I don't think that's my style of game anymore. No. I, I think it's official. The, the third, the first person. The, the not necessarily shooter. first person shooters, because I do like those overall. Mm-hmm. But I like them when there's a little more focus and story to it okay. i guess ugh yeah that, you'd love it kirsten you'd absolutely love it because it don't get me wrong it's doom and if you love doom and all you love doom it's more doom uh but it's uh it's very pretty it looks amazing mm-hmm. hell on earth great uh but the whole you go into an area shoot all the things then go to the next area shoot all the things and you're doing it just because well you're the good guy those are the demons and that's what you do and I don't know. I guess I need more than that now. It's, it's, well, it, I mean, it, yeah. it's to, to me, it's very samey after a while. I mean, it's, it's entertaining for a short time, but I tire of it fast. The last Doom had a decent amount of story, as I recall, yeah. even though I never finished it. Yeah, I never finished but, it either because but I didn't, this sounds have, like, didn't this, have a lot of story. This sounds like it has even less. Wow. I mean, Right. It's just your basic story. You're the same dude, except now it's not on Mars anymore. It's down on Earth, which, no. which you know, finally. And it's as, so it's neat seeing that because, again, seeing visually the Earth go to hell. Yeah, yeah visually it's beautiful. You know. uh, it, it is hell unleashed. But, yeah, I, I guess I just need more from a game these days. You're just getting old, Torgo. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. But who cares? No big deal. He wants more. Oh, jeez. He's fucking got a song for every sentence, doesn't oh, that's, he? That's, that's his shtick, okay? That has... <laughs> that's kind of my thing. <laughs> that, has to be, that has to be his shtick. Just ask him. He has a big shtick. He can't, he can't do <laughs> fart jokes. I thought that was your job. Well, I do the belch jokes. I do fart jokes. I do inappropriate sex jokes. I have range, Jeff. <laughs> I'm just staying in my lane, Kirsten. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to take anything away from God. from your the your music, contribution. The music fucking lane. <laughs> now, one thing I did really enjoy this week. I haven't seen all of them yet, but what the ones I've seen have been great. Is that animated Harley Quinn series? Oh yeah, ah. they, they uh, released the first season on Sci-Fi. Sci-Fi, yeah, and they released it unedited. And, really, and that is a filthy, filthy show. I that actually surprises me. I've, I mean, yeah. Granted, you know, Happy was pretty goddamn blatant and full of language. So I guess it's possible. I just wasn't expecting them to do that with the Harley Quinn one. It is funny. It, the jokes on that are spectacular, and they're delivered by amazing comedians. Alan Tudyuk does an amazing Joker. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wow. His Joker is perfect for this show. The clips I've seen I've really liked, but it's, I just haven't watched a full episode He's yet. got the maniacal bit down, but this show demands a comedic timing unlike any other. Sure. And he nails it. If there, there's a joke in the first episode, uh, and I'm just—if those of you have seen it, it's the piss joke. And I rewind it over and over again because the delivery on the joke is so perfect. It's yeah, it's. 
I, I, you know what? Uh, Movie Bob put it best uh, after he saw it. He said, this is the Adam West Batman dialed up to filthy. Nice. Hmm. So it's it's that same satire mentality. It's, it's satiring the whole thing. But, oh, boy, is it spot on on jokes. And, and everybody involved is great. Good. I'm definitely going to have to see that then. Well, I was worried cool. about it. It's part of the reason I hadn't jumped right in is I was afraid they were going to cut the hell out of it. I was, I was so too. I'm, but, I'm glad they haven't. But the moment, the first thing out of Harley Quinn was like, all oh, you motherfuckers step back. I was like, wow. They're giving <laughs> us the unedited version. Penny, Penny from Big Bang Theory yeah. dialed up to 11. Yeah. Mm. I haven't. Um, everybody knows Batman fucks bats. That's why I got his name. Uh, <laughs> wish I had Sci-Fi Channel. I did more, but I'm going to save it for next week because we got to get on to news. Oh, Jeff, you spent so much time talking. Well, if we I took, did. If, <laughs> <laughs> I well, did. Well, if he only talked about the things he did do instead of things he was planning on doing, then you know maybe. Mm. <laughs> it's true. I talked about stuff I did. Two out, two out of six ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go into news you don't give a shit about. I'll bet I do. No, let's all. I I, I, uh, I, I, I accept for this challenge. Jeff, do you give a bit shit about Universal is moving forward with Wolfman? Really? That's what I thought, which will be starring Ryan Gosling. I, I actually did see that one. Uh, the studio is currently looking for a director. Uh, Lauren Schukerbaum and uh, Re- Rebecca <laughs> Angelo. Those are right. Schukerbaum? Schukerbaum. Shooker, shook, shooker, shooker, bloom. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Actually, it's probably Blum. <laughs> Lauren Shooker Blum. Shooker Ro- Blum. <laughs> well, what's, what sucks is I didn't, couldn't even say Rebecca right. <laughs> Sugar Bloom. <laughs> I know. And, and Rebecca Angelo, these are writers for Orange is the New Black, wrote mm. the script. Uh, which is based on a pitch by Gosling. Details are scarce, but like this year's The Invisible Man, it will be set in the present day and be similar in tone and style to the Jake Gyllenhaal-led thriller Nightcrawler, which is a great movie. It's unknown whether Blumhouse will be involved, but considering Blumhouse turned Universal's The Invisible Man into a hit and has a first-look deal with the studio, it's likely. Uh, Universal released The Wolf Man, starring Lon Chaney back in 1941, then remade the film in 2010, this time calling it The Wolf Man, uh, with Joe Johnston at the helm and Benicio Del Toro in the starring role. Uh, the Lee Wanell directed Invisible Man became a box office smash, earning $122 million off a $7 million budget. And a new Dracula feature is also in the works, while saw an Aquaman director James Wan is developing another monster movie for the studio. The Invisible Man. I liked it. It sounds like the coronavirus is the best thing to happen in that movie. It, yeah, I, I it, honestly doubt it would have gotten those numbers. Yeah, because I, I saw it like right before, I think the week before the uh, the lockdown here in Vegas. Sure, and then they so, made a direct-to-video yeah. for anybody that wanted to watch it at home. Yeah. So it definitely got a wider, I think, viewing. Wow. For people who wanted to see a new movie and were stuck at home, yeah, makes sense. My goodness, I mean, Impressive. Blumhouse has done a, a few a, a few of those where they've they've turned it out pretty good. I I never saw their version of Fantasy Island, um, but that one just recently hit um, on. I haven't heard on good demand things. streaming. You have not? No, uh, that can't yeah. save for sure. I right. haven't seen it 
your mileage may vary, sure. but that's what I've heard thus far. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Ryan Gosling. I think he's a fantastic actor, and I've liked most of the things I've seen him in. Sure. Um, yeah. No. This is yeah. This is no squash on. Gosling. There's a good pedigree of writing and producing behind it so far. Sure. And but it's another Wolfman movie. Yeah, and being a horror file myself, werewolves are the least interesting monster out there. But they've got nards. Yes, they do. Maybe that's the problem. No, it's uh, <laughs> uh, although r- rim r- raccoon. No, um, there's <laughs> rimcoon. No, I, you're right. Rimcoon. They're, they're one of the least interesting monsters in the group because. When they go full feral, they're fully feral. There's not, well, depending on what version, I should say, there's not a lot driving them other than instinct once they've become full lichen. And that's not to say there's not a werewolf movie I haven't enjoyed. Werewolf sure. in London's amazing. Um, right. That's a fantastic one. But that's it's, a perfect it's, example. I don't know. Beastly monsters never did much for me in general. Yeah. Uh, Sasquatches were... Um, those kind of things never did much for me. Nicholson's Wolf wasn't, yeah. you know, a super movie. I mean, it was a that, decent. Maybe film, I just but... don't like hairy men. Mm-hmm. Probably. Maybe, maybe that's a bit my part of it. Probably. You're, you're not a bear fan. The, the, yeah. The thing I. The thing More I. More of an otter. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the were otter. I. You know, it's so funny because Nicholson's Wolf. It's like when I was watching that, all of the politics in the book publishing thing actually. Yeah. Oh, this I, this is Nicholson's wolf. This is even yeah. going back further. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that that I'm sitting there going, you know, this is the movie I'd like to watch. Yeah, you know, it, it, like when he decides to make his power move, and he's like, "Call right. everybody, tell them I'm ready to move, find out who will join us, tell them I'm going to move," and, and all of that stuff. And like you could cut out all of the, you know, lycanthropy yeah. out of the film, yeah. and it would st- and he, it would be a much more. He interesting turns in film. the bathroom and pees yeah. all over uh, what's his name's right. feet, and he's just like. What are you doing? Claiming my, my territory. territory. And even Jeff Strand, a huge fan of the author Jeff Strand, he's got a werewolf series that I'm just not interested in tackling. I even Jeez. own them because I want to get them autographed. But I, wow, right? But they're they're put just, the word out, Jake. He doesn't deserve the autographs. No, I, it's funny too because werewolf's my my favorite. That's your jam. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is it really? Oh, Wolfman with it, Lon Chaney Jr. K- K- likes the Harry Lon Men. Chaney yeah. one is a classic, though. I mean, yeah. it's and Chaney actually did a nice job of right. playing up the pathos. Yes, of uh, of being this guy. I think I think back then it was a little more novel. Yes, for the you know, there's an element of suffering on the part of the monster, even though we also had that. That was a good thing about Frankenstein. Yes. Whereas Dracula, Dracula was, you know, I mean, uh, Lugosi's Dracula was plain flat out bad guy. So we right. didn't get the sympathetic vampire right. until like the 70s or the 80s when that started actually morphing. So well, I think that's, that's also part of what's behind the classic. Yeah, I, and I think for me at least, you know, being a student of cinema, the universal classic monster movies were done so well, not just for the time that they were in, but I think majority of them hold up story-wise pretty well today. Yeah, I think and so it, too. Even some of the makeup effects makeup hold effect. up pretty well. And, and sometimes a lot of the, the filmmaking yes. approaches. I watched um, the third Frank, Son of Frankenstein, I believe, the one with Basil Rothbone. Yeah. 
and there is there is expressionalist yes. camera work and lighting in that fucking yeah, movie there is, there is. that was just amazing. I'm sitting there watching this movie for the first time in over ten years, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is," you know that and and it's it's amazing how many what we consider modern filmmaking techniques are used in those films. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. it's, yeah, uh, they're done so well. I think they still hold up. And for me, I think that's part of why a lot of the newer monster movies are so blah for me. It's because it's like, they're not saying anything new half the time. They're not presenting any new ideas. Well, sometimes they are, but executing poorly. It's, it's, it's hard to, take an existing property and remake it in an interesting way that is going to overshadow these classic films. Mm. But at the same token, a lot of the younger audiences are probably not going to be interested in going back and seeing these older black yeah, and white monster films. They see films. black and white and boom. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when I was in film school, I remember uh, my professor had a movie that he was starting to screen for us and you know, half of the students... You know, immediately tuned out when they saw that it was black and white, oh, and I'm wow. like, and I'm like, watch the filmmaking techniques. Look at the the sharp contrast in some of these scenes that you can't really get with color film. I mean, some modern techniques with the the high dynamic range where you have extremes between your bright and your dark in the same frame. You can get kind of close to that, but some of that just the cinematography is just so amazing that it's bothersome when somebody just tunes out just because it's in black and white. I mean, shoot! I mean, I was uh, actually just a couple days ago I watched Young Frankenstein again, <laughs> and I I had not paid attention to the cinematography in a while because. I'm engrossed in the story and the, you know, the comedy and the seriousness that's also happening at the same time in that film. But it dawned on me how good of a job Mel Brooks did or his cinematographer did at not only matching that classic universal horror style cinematography, but getting some of these fantastic scenes set up where you have things going on in the background and, and you know, elements that are, you know, you have stark contrast between something in the foreground or the side of the frame or, the, you know, the background mm -hmm. of the frame. It just, it, it was it was super impressive. And I don't know why it had never really dawned on me before that not only was this a parody of a Frankenstein movie, but this is a parody of the cinematography of a right and a classic loving, monster A loving movie. parody. Yes, exactly. It was very, and handled, very, very affectionately. Absolutely. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Oh, 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 my goodness. Somebody's made a statement. COVID! Run! Yeah, it's, it, I think, I think context can actually, uh, it will always be important. Sure. I actually watched, uh, The Searchers for the first time. Oh, yeah. Earlier this week. And it's really funny because I'm watching, <clears throat> it's a good looking Western, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's also a John Wayne Western. Sure. And it was, it's only in appreciating the context of its time that you can, because it's really funny, even by today's standards, it's kind of a, you know, go out and shoot the Indians Western. Sure. But at the time, it actually started tackling some of the 
the tropes of the Western. Right. Because John Wayne's character, no less, was being shown as being a little overly consumed by his hate of uh, Indians and um, and uh, wanting to wanting to kill. It, 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 you know, and also the the uh, listening to Curtis Hansen and uh, uh, Martin Scorsese in a little director's interview that was included on the Blu-ray, talking about Vista Vision and uh, the filming of the movie, which uh, was uh, really kind of incredible. That was mm-hmm. incredible. What John Ford did with uh, the camera, that kind of camera and film stock, and and. Um, uh, shooting in Monument Valley, yes, and stuff like that, which we're so used to that kind of stuff now. And back then, that was Monument Valley is Monument Valley rather is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's that absolutely. Amazing. It's kind of like to to steal the term from the Apollo astronauts, that magnif- magnificent desolation. It's like yeah, it you just yeah. see it's like little bits of bushes here and there yeah. and the, the tumbleweeds mm-hmm. contrast with a starkly all the all the mesas and mesas plateaus and, and everything it just yeah. it just yeah it's it's amazing mm-hmm. in fact when when back to the future part three got to shoot up there it was there you go yeah, it was yeah. just established it the was, western trope yeah exactly it was amazing to see that because so much of that that background or that that area rather that appeared in these old Western movies that are 70 plus years old is still there. Yeah. All these years later, it hasn't yeah. been completely <laughs> destroyed by humanity yet. So, yeah. Well, not until Trump's second term when he yeah. signs <laughs> away the oil rights to yeah. you know, something else. But, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> Weekend geek. <clears throat> Yay! Wow, there was only one one awful thing, Jim. Yeah. Well, this one's on the edge. Oh, oh aren't they all? I'm, oh. I'm not convinced this is a good idea, but if anybody can do a good job with it, I'm happy who's in charge. All so right. you're optimistically glappy, maybe? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever that may mean. Yeah. Scott Derrickson has been hired by TriStar Pictures to helm the sequel to Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Uh, Maggie Levin, the scribe of Into the Dark, and My Valentine for Hulu is writing the screenplay. Released in the summer of 1986, Labyrinth was a dark fairy tale about a young girl who must rescue her baby brother from the clutches of Jareth, the dreaded Goblin King. Like The Dark Crystal four years prior, the film, written by Terry Jones, produced by George Lucas, was a showcase for Jim Henson's wizardry with practical pu- practical puppets. The title refers to a winding maze the main character must navigate in order to reach her goal. It turned out to be a box office and critical dud. Yeah, it did. But has gained a powerful <laughs> cult following over the years. Henson's children, Lisa and Brian, are executive producing the latest sequel effort on behalf of the Jim Henson Company. Derrickson is also attached as executive producer alongside his writing partner, C. Robert Cargill. These two guys gave us the Doctor Strange movie. So Doctor Strange is one of my favorites of the Marvel canon. Right. Uh, C. Robert Cargill, also an uh, author. He wrote the book Sea of Rust, which is a fantastic sci-fi book about the life the robots make after they've killed us all. Ooh. It's uh, And based on those things... Yeah, if if someone's going to do it, I like these two guys in charge of it. Yeah, I just saw something the other day on on uh, Labyrinth, and they were talking about how it 
it really was. I, I didn't realize it when I was a kid because I saw it on VHS. So I never saw it in the theater. You know, it had already kind of started to develop a cult following at that point. But to realize that it didn't even make its budget back in its theatrical yeah, release. Yeah, you know, I never, I never, I, I, I guess I knew it wasn't a box office uh, breaker, but right. I, I had uh, no concept at the time. Yeah. That it actually had done so poorly. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I yeah. like I said, I didn't find it out until recently that it was, yeah. that it was a dud, and I was like, "Wow, this is <laughs> impressive that it's it's so much a part of my youth." And and you know, even still today, I'll watch it if it's on, and just going, "Wow, this was a critically panned and you know not." beloved movie when it hit the theaters i didn't see it until i was in high school oh yeah and i saw it in high school oh wow one of the days that the, you know, the substitute comes in so they roll out the tv and yeah just gonna watch a movie instead it was the movie Ooh, a vhs pan and scan yeah. uh, labyrinth wow <laughs> exactly what it was and you know fell in love with it i was like wow how did i miss this ever not coming no, to the theater bad. yeah i remember watching it i was it, it was some kind of film thing out here was it a convention thing or something? It might have been like a a one week release uh, at the Dollar Theater or maybe one of those. Remember, it, this was years ago, and I went with uh, I believe I went with uh, Andy and uh, the the kids Duncan and or Frankie, and <clears throat> I remember there was one woman in the audience. It was really funny. She kept joking about Bowie's package. <laughs> Before the movie started. Starring and, David Bowie and his codpiece. Yeah, and it was really <laughs> hilarious because when the movie started, uh, every time the pan, this, the camera would catch a little bit of, of his groin, you'd hear from the audience, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that we was, got that whole movie. That was the movie that started me with my uh, Jennifer Connelly crush, oh. which has continued to this day. Oh, my God. Well, that, so, that's yeah. the thing. She's the crush that keeps on giving. And then you look back and you're like, she was really young when she shot that film. It's really funny. It's because okay you were young when you watched that's it. That's true. You, but you, look at her, yeah. you look at her today and you're like, my she goodness. She doesn't look that much She different. looks ageless. She looks the same as she. Yeah. And then you look at that and you're like, my God, it is possible for her to look younger. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like younger. No, you no. Know, no. That and uh, Hot Spot? Is that the one? That was the one that was notorious for her being oh, yeah, topless. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the hot spot. Yeah, with yeah. Don Johnson. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was like, you threw me there for a second. I was like, the what? Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. like, no, Hoggle. Yeah, actually, I which think was my was, crush from the movie. I think yeah. she was only eighteen <laughs> when she did Hot Spot. Eighteen or nineteen. Oh my goodness. Did. That's why. That was why it was quote unquote scandalous because yeah. she has the topless scene, and I'm like, she was legally able to do it. Yeah. Without getting parental consent, but God, she just which makes you know too, that one movie even just just isn't just isn't beautiful, but but uh, just became so elegant. She's a fantastic so, ask uh, actress, ha -ha, fantastic ha -ha. actress. In addition to being yeah now attractive, you know, now you know my life, Jeff. Yeah, I remember. You I blame know, you. So many times you can fall back in love with her. Yeah, and like uh, beautiful mind. Yes, I fell right back in love with her because she just was extraordinary in that again. Absolutely, it was just amazing. Career opportunities was another one with it. You know, I think she was 
kind of you know it's funny because it's just her and uh and what's his name uh, frank whaley and you're sitting there going it's only like the two of them and then later on the other two actors that come out is like but she seems somewhat underutilized in that film as well like mm-hmm. she, she's performs really well doing that role but at the same time you're like i feel like they could have done more with well it. you know probably yeah. falling into the trap of being so incredibly beautiful right she gets those beautiful foil roles well, she's, are, are she's presented as the trophy in the initial yeah early goings of the movie but then you see that she's got a lot more substance yeah. but uh going back to <laughs> um labyrinth though i don't know if you caught the rumor that they're um as a potential casting um for the bowie the the goblin king role they were looking at possibly using tilda swinton and somebody did a mock-up um just light light photoshopping with her and she looks a lot like bowie I, in the makeup and i'm like i could actually get behind this i accept your proposal i, I can mean, get if, behind this if she can fall in love with biggs's character i'm all for it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tilda and her package <laughs> ass to ass <laughs> J.K. Rowling, the author behind the Harry Potter franchise, announced that she's written a fairy tale called The Ichabog, and that it will be released for free in the upcoming weeks. Ooh. Uh, this is the first return to non-adult fiction for Rowling since the series' completion, and the first non-Wizarding World work of that kind. Uh, writing on her website, Rowling explains that she, quote, wrote most of the first draft in fits and starts between Potter books, intending to publish it after Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, then she took a break. Then she published her adult-oriented crime novels. Uh, continuing the quote, a few weeks ago at dinner, I tentatively moved to the idea of getting the Ichabog down from the attic and publishing it for free for children in lockdown, Rowling wrote. My new, uh, my new, my now teenagers. <laughs> my new teenagers. <laughs> my new t- t- teenagers? Asked to ask. My new now teenagers <laughs> were touchingly enthusiastic so downstairs came the very dusty box, and for the last few weeks, I've been immersed in a fictional world I thought I'd never enter again, unquote. Uh, the book, aimed to be read to children, is, quote, about truth and abuse of power, unquote, and isn't meant to be timely or topical, considering Rowling thought up the idea well over a decade ago. Uh, the readers will be able to and encouraged to submit illustrations for the story, uh, which may be featured when the story is published in print, ebook, and audio formats this November. Uh, Rowling has also pledged her author royalties to groups particularly impacted by COVID-19. Uh, Ichabog will be published a chapter or two or three at a time on its own website every weekday. Chapter one was published on May 26th, and the chapters are scheduled to continue until July 10th. So good honor. I'm, Rowling returning to genre is a always a good thing in my opinion. So, yeah. So, yeah, and for free and f- for royalty, yeah, across the board, <laughs> big time, big free time. royalty. For, yeah. I assume that's when it eventually gets published. Yeah. Yeah. At least, at least you didn't severely butcher Rowling's name. So there's that. Yeah, Rowling's got it going on. Yeah, rolling along. Yeah, Rowling along. Rolling. Rolling on a river. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it could beat me to that. <laughs> wow. Well, it's. Not. I was actually thinking it, and I'm like, should I? No. Should I? Uh, what do you mean? What do you mean? Just win. No. That's it's your win. lane. That's your lane, yeah, Jeff. <laughs> stay in your lane, Jeff. Yeah. You stay in your lane. Pedal, but, <laughs> pedal to the mother, motherfucker. <laughs> SpaceX and NASA's Demo 2 historical test of launching a commercially built capsule into orbit Heard this one. has been a success. Oh, yeah, we've done this. Let's skip it. <laughs> Mission astronauts Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley docked with the International Bob Space Station. Bob and Doug. Oh, yeah. I've been making jokes about that all week. <laughs> with the ISS ahead of schedule, the ship Crew Dragon, rechristened Endeavor by the two-man team, is the fifth ship to be currently parked at the station. No word on how long uh, Bankman and Doug Hurley will remain on the ISS. Yeah. Take it, was, Jeff. Yeah, it was pretty incredible to watch. Um, a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a normal rocket launch. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, it is and it isn't. Because yeah. you have a scratch-built rocket, new design, using technology that's not 30, 40 years old. Yes. Um the actual design of the capsule itself is very modern. It's touchscreen, baby. With the touchscreen, yeah. Very few buttons. Um, majority of the capsule is automated. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing to see, you know, not not just, you know, launches happening, or I should say crude launches happening again from U.S. soil. This is but, truly the beginning yeah. of public space flight. Yeah. Sure. For the next 50 years, it will be out of reach for all of us that right. are billionaires. Far too expensive. But uh, like the airline industry and as things develop in space for this and saying that all the rich people just don't go live on Mars and leave us with this trash fire, it's it will be achievable for, I want to say, every man, but for the every man. The ironic thing is Boeing has a competing capsule that is much further behind than the SpaceX capsule. And they were the ones, when the commercial crew program was introduced, that everybody was betting on. Everybody was betting against SpaceX. They're like, there's no way they're going to beat Boeing. Boeing has all these decades of engineering prowess behind them and the finest minds and blah, 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 blah. And... And SpaceX showed that they actually have some of the best engineers, some of the more unconventional thinking as far as, you know, technology, you know, hardware and software design. So And the coolest spacesuits. Yeah. Those are pretty pretty neat. There's a Hollywood costume designer that made those. Of course they're awesome spacesuits. Yeah. But completely functional. Yes. And and you know, it's not just for show like a lot of Hollywood costumes are. They sure they were they well made. They, they weren't made that way for style. No, well, so somewhat for style. <laughs> I just meant like a lot of times it's stylist. It's style without any well, substance. I, I, this I'm is not style saying that, and that a substance. theatrical costumer just said, "Okay, here's right, some, right. some no. threads go up." But I got. You. Yep, they, <laughs> they were made for the camera in mind. Yes, for sure. M- most of what Elon Musk's companies do are made for the camera. Yeah. As well as being completely functional. <laughs> yeah, get that in there. Don't don't let Todd win on this, Jeff. <laughs> Timothy Oliphant is joining the Mandalorian. 
According to Slash Film, the actor will be playing Cobb Vanth, the guy that ended up with Boba Fett's armor post-Sarlacc pit. Uh, to ma- I've, I've got the spit screen here. I'm trying my best. No, I just, <laughs> I just like the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> it's, it's all about the cadence, baby. Uh, Tamara Morrison, the face of Jango Fett, is coming aboard the series to play Boba Fett. Uh, Vanth is the self-appointed sheriff of Tatooine's Freetown in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath series. The second season of The Mandalorian adds actors Katie Sackhoff, Tamara Morrison, Michael Bean, and Rosario Dawson. Oh my goodness. Right? The Mandalorian returns this October. Oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. What? I'm excited for for Mandalorian season two. Let me just state that right up front. Uh-oh. But uh, yeah, but them I, I bringing smell, I smell a big butt. I know them bringing in Boba ask. Fett. I have my concerns because I like how they did in season one where they brought in characters that weren't part of the already established cinematic universe. I didn't feel like they needed to bring, for lack of a better word, guest stars from the prime timeline that we've seen so far. This mean you're also against Ahsoka Tano being a part of it? But she's see, not she's, cinematic. She's not cinematic. See, I picked up on him saying that. He threw in cinematic for a reason, Todd. That character's had more on-screen time than TV. Boba Fett ever did. TV. Are, are, are you degrading TV? Well, this is Filoni's work we're talking about. But that's also a character that Filoni helped develop. Okay. Yeah. I just don't feel like bringing in a cinematic quote-unquote... Starring character like Boba Fett is going to be helpful to the series. Now, hopefully, it's not hurtful to the series, but I just I don't think it's necessary to bring in these ex these outside characters because, like we've discussed before, it's like there's all these wonderful stories that can be taken that can be told from outside of what we've already seen on screen. All these other wonderful, rich characters that are possible. Why you need to throw Boba Fett in there? Are you saying it's making the universe a little too small? Yes. Well, we already, I mean, I now, understand. I, now, when they explained Oliphant's character, you know, wearing the Boba Fett armor, I didn't have a problem with that. It's like, okay, sure. Because at first, when they cast him, I'm like, he's going to play Boba Fett? I don't, why do they need to put Boba Fett in here? But then when they explained that it was just him wearing the armor, ah. and he's a character that acquired the armor, I was like, okay, that's kind of a neat They way faked to, him out, Todd. But then when they announced, uh, uh, what's his name? Tim Wera. Yeah coming back to actually play Boba Fett, I was like, so anyway, he's we'll just going to demand his armor and then he's going to go. Is that no how, problem. Is that how you say his name more? Tim Moira. Oh, okay. I don't, know. I don't know what I said. It anyway. probably wasn't that. That's just my thought. Timmy. 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 Fett. You can agree or disagree. <laughs> I don't <care. laughs> Oh my God. I will say no disintegrations. <laughs> Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> I will say Chuck Wendig's Aftermath book series is some really good Star Wars. You want some good Star Wars in your life? Read it. It takes place in the same timeline as, well, The Mandalorian, frankly. So, I just like that they were developing their own rich universe. Sure. Within that larger universe. And I like... And now that they're trying... It's like they're trying to yeah. borrow... It's like it's almost like that, that stupid thing that they do with a lot of TV shows where they'll bring a character in from another series or whatever to try to bump up the ratings that's that's how it feels like to me where it's like it's an, an unnecessary 
I don't think they feel they have to do that to get viewers. I think they're creating some fan service. Yeah, I still don't think it's necessary. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. I'm not going to make him like it. No, sir. I don't like it. (laughs) I mean, they got away with Baby Yoda, but that's about as far as he's going to let him go. I do like when they incorporate parts of the in-canon Star Wars novel universe into these shows, though. Yes. Yeah. Now, that's some that's deep what I, yeah. fan service right, right there. That I like. So I can appreciate that. And uh, since I brought up books, I would be bereft of my duties if I didn't say the Geek Shock Book Club has chosen the book for June, saying that we're recording this on the first, we better have, and that is The First 15 Lives of Harry August by Claire North. That is the uh, far away winner, although we had some really good choices this time. So those who nominated, I appreciate it. I want to read all those books. Uh, But this one, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Kind of like a Groundhog Day kind of thing. Uh, Richard Hurd died this week. Yeah. Uh, After laying the foundation of his career in the theater, he made his feature film debut alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger in 1970s Hercules in New York. Oh, that film. Yeah. In 1974, the death of actor Richard Long led to her to being called up to replace him in the classic drama All the President's Men. Other 70s roles include The China Syndrome, The Onion Field, Starsky and Hutch, and Ike the War Years. And in the 80s, Heard became a part of science fiction history. In 1983, he was cast as Supreme Commander John in the miniseries V, a role he later reprised for V, The Final Battle in 1984. Other major roles that decade include T.J. Hooker, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and more. And Heard joined the Star Trek franchise for the first time in 1993 when he was cast as the Klingon LaCour for the two-part Star Trek Next Generation episode Birthright. And in 1999, he was cast as Admiral Owen Paris in Star Trek Voyager, a role he eventually mm. reprised for the Star Trek fan film Renegades. He was also a founding member, member of the Enterprise Blues Band, It's a music Uh, group formed by Star Trek actors to perform at fan conventions and other events. Heard's other major genre credits through the years include roles in Sequest 2032, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Quantum Leap, Ghost Whisperer, and the voice of Preacher Whitting from Bioshock Infinite. Even if you don't know him for his many sci-fi and fantasy appearances, you might recognize him as Mr. Wilhelm from Seinfeld, the role he'll probably best be remembered for. Yep. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a really fantastic actor. Uh, I think he was just at the convention this last year too, wasn't he, Kirsten? He might have been. I don't remember. It was either it was either this year or last year. I, I, yeah. or, I'm sorry, last year, last or the year, year before. The year before, yeah. So we're um, approaching that time, but uh, it's you know it's funny that just the damnedest people who at some point or another we've got enough Star Trek now that we've got the damnedest names as. Also appeared as a Klingon in Star Trek, blah, yeah. blah, blah, you know? <laughs> I, I, I'd still, like, my head will spin whenever I see John LaRaquette, because I'm like, he was a fucking Klingon. Yeah. And 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 now Richard Mals. Hurd, which I didn't know. And Christopher Lloyd was a Klingon. Yeah, yeah, well, and he was a... He, uh, until I got earlobe deep in Deep Space Nine, Lloyd was definitely my my, without challenge, favorite Klingon. I thought he did a wonderful job. Well, he and his compatriots in three kind of set the groundwork for the way we were going to see the Klingons. It's true. Moving I mean, forward, they, they were they were still evolving. Yeah, yeah, it was such a bit part in the motion picture mm-hmm. that 
you know, this whole code of honor and duty and and the fuckers took it all away from the Romulans. Right. God damn those <laughs> motherfuckers. But yeah, I mean, Richard Hurd, I, I fondly remember him in Sequest DSV. Yeah. Uh, I know yeah. you're. I remember him from V. 2032, which was the third season, but I don't believe he actually appeared at all in 2032, which oh. was the third season of oh, Sequest Todd. DSV. But Well, fuck my life. Yeah. But, uh, well, it's probably the source that gave it. It's not your fault. It's um, his fault. He needs but, to check that shit. Kirsten, listen to him. It's the source. <laughs> <laughs> the source got it wrong. I mean, he might have made a guest star. I'll have to go back and look, but because uh, I was do my, that. That was my least favorite of the the three seasons. The reputation of, of Geek Shock is online. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember him fondly in Seinfeld, Sequest, mm-hmm. Star no, Trek. No, he was Admiral always. Paris. He was always. I know Tom's dad. Tom's dad. <laughs> that, that, that kind of that weird dynamic where you know you you hear him Tom talk about his father in the first few seasons. Of, yeah. Of Voyager, and then you finally get to see them, and they finally get to have their interaction, and that whole kind of standoffishness that Tom had, where he was just like, he's like he didn't like his father, and then the two of them finally accepting, I I think was portrayed superbly by both actors when you get into the the final episodes of the the last season, season seven of Voyager. So, you know, I I, I love that kind of father son rec- reconciliation things stories but yeah. uh yeah he'll be missed he was an amazing amazing actor mm-hmm. and his imdb page is ridiculously long you you barely scratch the surface oh, yeah. with that list damn it i, I mostly focused on genre work. yeah 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 no but i, I just i'm <laughs> just, I just I, yeah I, I would go here all day with his imdb page. i just i just meant for anybody interested look at it because yeah. you've probably either seen him or maybe you'll come across something in his yeah he's in one of those that you want to look at you're going to watch so surprised yes. at all the shit you've seen that he was in absolutely that, that and, and he's another one of those when you see his face like you're all oh, that guy Yep. Yeah. Of course I know that yeah. guy. Yeah, very classic. Face. Absolutely. Very classic look. Jamie Lee Curtis has signed a first look deal with Blumhouse. The three-year partnership, struck in conjunction with Curtis's production company, Comet Pictures, involves the development of, a mov- of movie and TV projects. First up is Mother Nature, an eco-horror film revolving around the topic of climate change. Curtis will make her dict- directorial debut with her... Make her dick... What? Her dick... What? <laughs> Curtis will make her rimming debut with. But no, that's not, that's not, it's not it either. Just digging yourself deeper, sir. Curtis, Curtis will make He's her digging d- in deep directorial debut <laughs> with <laughs> with the flick and is writing the screenplay with Comet's head of development, Russell Goldman. Curtis is reprising her Laurie Strode role for the next two Blumhouse-produced Halloween movies oh, from wow. director David Gordon Green. Next two? Oh, that last one was so good, they decided to make a trilogy out of it. God dang. And, and rightfully so. It's okay. a good movie. Mm. She had an amazing clap back on Twitter where somebody tried to call her out for reprising her role in the, the Halloween film. It was like, it's only happening because she's broke. And, and she's like, nope, I sold Activia for years, so I'm doing fine financially. <laughs> <laughs> True. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably condensing it a bit, but yeah, no, I remember cool. reading that and laughing my ass off. You know, plus, yes. plus her husband is Christopher Guest. So neither of them are hurting financially. Yep. I love when people but, do the must be broke. Money is money. Money will make you you know, do the darndest thing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It must be broke getting a first look deal at Blumhouse. Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. people. 
hey, Jamie, we heard you were broke. Can we can we leverage that to force you into a three picture deal? And you get first look. We get first look at your stuff because we want it. Yeah, because you're broke. <laughs> Crazy. People. We'll just force you into this shit. Har har har. You know, it's funny how much some of this toxic fandom they just come up with out of the blue yeah with no foundation whatsoever for their premise and you just let you like you're reading it and you're like really that's the best you can come up with how can you not know this much about how hollywood works i know you, you don't it's so talking out of the ass like that's not how hollywood goddamn works yeah. and how easily it is to debunk it with a like a freaking small google search you're like oh well that's completely false it's just it's so stupid so stupid. Anyway, kudos to her. That's awesome. Go, Jamie. Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge from ILM X Lab. That's the Lucasfilm VR studio that brought fans Vader Immortal Star Wars VR series. And Oculus Studios is coming later this year. The experience will involve an original story set in the world of Galaxy's Edge's Batu on the outskirts of Black Spire Outpost, where players will run into characters both old and new. <laughs> Jeff's going to hate the old part. <laughs> Gameplay and difficulty <laughs> settings will differ based on what fans want from the experience. Uh, Vicky Dobbs Beck, IML X Lab executive in charge, says, quote, This action-packed adventure not only speaks to the promise of connected and complementary experiences by extending the lore around Black Spire Outpost, it represents another meaningful step in ILML X Lab. God damn it. That, <laughs> do I have to say it every goddamn time? That thing's quest to transition from storytelling, one-way communication, to story living, trademark, where you're inside a world making consequential choices that drive your experience forward, unquote. Uh, Star Wars Tales from Galaxy's Edge will release two VR systems later this year. Uh, interesting systems, because it's, if it's being Oculus Studios doing it, I'm kind of surprised they let it go to other systems. They're... they're then again, maybe they were involved in uh, other ones that branched out. I really don't know. I'm talking out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, He's, I, got I, I do know a lot right of stuff now. that Oculus makes is only for Oculus. Yes. Yes. It's, 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 if they like made it for like PlayStation VR, it'd be kind of like a Halo for PlayStation. It'd be, it'd be weird. Whoa. I mean, it's possible that it's just Disney and they want as many platforms this is available as possible. And yeah, they might have initially. You know, I'm just speculating here. They might have initially approached Oculus, like, "Hey, help us develop a system so that we can shoot a a 3D virtual environment," and then they kept the publishing rights and they could publish it to multiple platforms. I mean, like I said, just speculation on my part. I don't know. And I'm all for, for sure. expanding out the uh, Galaxy's yeah. Edge storyline, and so it's yeah. So I'm, a, I'm a fan of this project. Coming up with a completely new planet and a completely new outpost. You know, and then interact, you know, going there and interacting with the different characters around the place. Old and new. Yes. <laughs> I just... <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. You know, once all this COVID stuff is settled down and it's not dangerous to do so, I definitely recommend people go check it out. Experience it for yourself. <clears throat> and I personally say go check it out anyway. Sneak into Disney right now. Check it out. <laughs> Just go. Dress as a cat. They'll never recognize you. That's right. Oh, my God. What? I had a, just, just as a side note, you brought up cat. I had a hilarious interaction on uh, my Facebook. 
because I put up a James Baldwin quote from 1968 about riots. And he starts off, and it, you know, he, he, Baldwin, he spoke very 60s-ish. So he starts off with, okay, <clears throat> look, you take this cat and you put him where he is, and then you take everything out of it, and then, and then he just goes on about discrimination, about making things difficult, and, you know, the whole genesis of the rioting thing. <clears throat> but it's really funny because a couple friends of ours in the comments pop up with, I don't get the part about the cat. <laughs> and I thought they were fucking around. And I'm watching this conversation between the two of them, and it pretty much it dawns on me, holy shit, they're not joking around. They don't get the cat. <laughs> they don't get the cat. And finally, one guy pops in. It's 60s slang. They mean like dude. And they're like, oh, okay. And it was just so goddamn funny. It, it killed me. It absolutely killed me. Maybe if he'd have spelled it all out to Hepcat, then <laughs> they would have gotten it. Oh or if they'd have said cats and kittens. Oh Sorry, my. was it cool cats and kittens? There you go. The Tiger oh, King reference. God dang. It was just great. I don't get the part about I still about haven't seen. Yeah, no. No Tiger King. <laughs> There's no interest. I literally have no interest in watching that. And that's okay. Yeah. White trash meltdown. Oh, boy. I can that's, hardly wait to get that. Sounds like the state I grew up yeah, in. Yeah, yeah that's right. like White trash meltdown. I grew up around all that. Yeah, that's <laughs> the first four chapters of my book. <laughs> <laughs> Clary- and, every, and every time I go home to visit. <laughs> Clarice. CBS's Silence of the Lambs spinoff has landed a full series order. <laughs> No, the other one. From Star Trek Discovery's Alice Kurtzman and Jenny Lumet, the show picks up six months after the events of Silence of the Lambs in 1993. Rebecca Breeds from Pretty Little Liars has been tapped to play FBI agent Clarice Starling as she tracks down serial killers and sexual predators, all while navigating the halls of power in Washington, D.C. Quote, What's interesting is that she's still dealing with a lot of that trauma. And no one's ever really explored that story before. And that's what really excites us, Kurt's been told Sci-Fi Wire. Plus, being a woman in 1993, talk about being a man's world. She is in a real boys club. And I think one of the great things about that film is how beautifully it portrays the challenges and difficulties, but also this woman's extraordinary endurance. She was smarter. She was better. And you love her, unquote. So Clarice officially coming to CBS. I think we greenlit that one. It's, I, I, I like the premise of it because, I mean, the events that you see in Silence of the Lambs, I've, I've never read the book, would be career-ending for a lot of people just starting out in the FBI. Like, like, literally just so traumatic they couldn't go on. And the fact that she did continue on, and like he said, you know, it's never explored how that affected her. Right. I, I'd be fascinated to see how they handle that. I so. recently uh, rewatched Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. and it was it was fascinating watching because I was like, "Oh my god!" All the shit that we chuckled at and didn't really think about back then, and it uh, making a statement about uh, about being a woman and yep. trying to make it in that world. This is, <clears throat> you know, like there's this one great bit where she and a uh, a girlfriend are jogging on the, the FBI campus and they're going over stuff in prep for it. And a group of guys jogs past in the other way and they all turn and look at them jogging away, 
you know, simultaneously, that group guy thing where they turn their yep. heads and look at a woman. And looks that she gets throughout the movie, it was sort of like, it, it actually, a lot of it was subtly played. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're just like understanding a bit what she's... Uh, what she's experiencing so and it's uh, i guess we're entering into that zone of 90s uh <laughs> yes. settings fetishism it's which is hilarious for 90s nostalgia it's here <clears throat> oh my god it's that, been here a little bit that's it, it jesus that's funny i still remember mtv when it first came out <clears throat> and you were getting a lot of the classic rock 60s nostalgia yeah and i remember watching those videos where they're interviewing a lot of 60s uh, personalities. Uh, one I thought of in particular, though, was uh, Rolling Stone founder uh, Jan Wenner, who, who's just talking about, yeah, only 20 years ago and people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, all right, I was a kid in the 80s watching MTV and the 60s pop stuff, rock stuff was 20 years ago. And, and now I look back and it's just like the equivalent today is the year 2000. And it just, yep. yeah, holy yeah. crap, holy crap. <sighs> Jan Winter is an interesting oh, person. He really, uh, yeah. I, I just recently was watching a thing on Rush and how he was responsible for, well, assume, presumed to be responsible for why they never made it in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until two years ago. Oh, uh, yeah? And, you know, Why was he a dick? Oh, because he was he was the the publisher of Rolling Stone, but he's also the head of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation. So he's one of the ones that puts together the list of nominees each year. He doesn't and, like Rush, and he did not like Rush. He <laughs> thought they were the furthest thing from rock and roll. Uh, in fact, if I remember correctly, I know right. That's that was my that was my take on it too. But apparently, uh, you couldn't hear the looks that Kay and I gave each other. Yeah, Neil Peart. Like had this whole interview where he was talking about how he's the reason they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and hmm. and how like the scathing review of of them in the uh, late seventies in Rolling Stone magazine, he felt is what they what really killed their any notion of them getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So when they actually did get nominated and were inducted, they still were kind of like, is this actually happening? Are we are we really getting in? Because you know, they'd had all that pushback for, for decades. So that's just funny that you brought that name up. And yeah. I just recently found all this out. So. Well, it was really funny watching his interview because they showed, they showed on this show, it was really funny. They showed, they, they actually filmed the opening, the inaugural meeting of the Rolling Stone magazine. Mm-hmm. And there he is and he's sitting there and he's hippied out. His hair actually kind of froze a bit. And, and then they cut to interviewing him real time in the 80s and he's typical 80s yuppie uh the 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 whole kind of uh that that look with the the corporate yes suit look and the slicked back hair um it's and everything completely indoctrinated <laughs> yeah it was it was it was it was really funny cuz yeah he did he just totally was back in uh it's funny, like some of the people are describing him as like he's like one of those that that toxic fandom that, that the self appointed gatekeepers of what is and isn't right. You know, for his in his respect, he's like you know what is and isn't rock and roll, and he's the only one that gets to say what is and isn't. It's like yeah, kind really? of kind of kind of like that thing we were talking about the past couple of weeks of the uh, 
the leader of the cult starting to believe their own yes. bullshit. Yes. And, you know, they, they get into that zone where it's no longer just a con job or business. It, they're actually, they're, well, they're yeah. actually their own believers. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that was the way it was with him in the Rolling Stones. Like, you get told ret- repeatedly, time and time again, that you're a legend for starting this, right. this historical magazine. Which is the yeah. magazine for, yeah. for well, and, and was. counterculture. I mean, it's not as much today, but, like, right. for what 70s 80s i'd say up to the, at least the mid 90s sure was such a pivotal part of the music industry it's like if it appeared in the rolling stone it was like word word from god right, right. so yeah you might be right he might be one of those that that started to believe his own yeah his own press yeah like our little side tangent there. It's really weird, Jeff. We talked about music Again. industry, and Todd like said nothing. He's a he's a he's a winner wiener. We're converting him. <laughs> it's Rush. I don't know much about Rush. It comes down to it, except that Neil Peart is one of the best drummers to have ever lived. But hey, what's your uh, camp rim? <laughs> Write to us comments at camprim.com. God damn it. Neo is never going to live that and one until down for bringing next it up. week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. And stay frosty out there, people. Good movie, terrible name. Stay frosty? Stay, uh, no, t- Rim of the World. Has to ask? <laughs> oh, wait. God damn it. Rim of the World. <laughs> Who? Like, that's better. I know. Who would send their kids to that camp? It's, <laughs> that's the camp name you said, didn't you? Yeah. I, that's or is, the it, name, or that, is it like camp? Literally, that is the name of the camp in the movie, and I'm like... Yeah. Could sure, it's not round edge, the world rim. Edge of the world. I know. Right. You know. Yeah. Edge of the world. End of the world. Mm-hmm. End of the world. Oh, yeah. that'd be a cool. That would have been. That's the camp I you want to send your kids to. That would have been a better name because it. Rim you know, of the world. It's, it's prophetic. To <laughs> camp Potawatomi. Camp <laughs> Spruce Tree. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. <laughs>